I want to talk about our radio broadcast just for a moment, and we're going to be ministering a message today uh, that uh, I was prompted while making the radio broadcast to bring to the full congregation on Sunday morning uh, because it's such an important and vital message to, to everyone. Our broadcast goes to uh, North Florida and through the Internet all over the world. The reason we know is because of people contacting us from, from Africa uh, that are receiving the broadcasts that haven't even discovered our website that we had to introduce to our website. So a uh, little uh, station in North, in North Florida is broadcasting not only in North Florida, South Georgia, Valdosta, and those areas, but also is reaching uh, Africa and any other nation that they discover the radio station through uh, the Internet. So we are... Uh, we're, we're just so happy to be in, our I think, our sixth year, fifth or sixth year somewhere. I'm losing track of years. I used to lose track of days, but now I'm losing track of years. But it's been several years, and we're going strong. Hallelujah. God is blessing uh, because we have no ulterior motive. We just want to get the gospel out. But there are messages that are so pertinent to the time that we are living in right now. We are living in what the Bible calls the perilous times. I don't have have to go into a lot of elaboration or explanation. You get it through the news media. You get it through the news magazines. You get it through the periodicals. Uh, we are living in a global perilous time. In the last days, it marks a time that is signified as last days. And because of where we are in the last days, I use the term over and over again that we are now in the last of the last days. Jesus Christ is coming very, very soon. By the way, this message of the soon coming of the Lord, when I got saved, uh, back a long time ago, when I came to Christ at 21 years of age. In fact, I got saved at 12 years of age. My mother and dad went through a very uh, hard and harsh divorce. And my world crumbled when they divorced. They were my everything. My mom and dad and family were my security. And when I saw it all crumble and saw it fall apart, uh, it broke me. In fact, when I was a teenager, I went through a nervous problem where I, I just, it, it was just something that's hard to explain what I went through. My mother remarried. My dad did not remarry. But there was, there was friction and there was pressures brought to bear that I just couldn't handle. And I went away. Away from God after that. Instead of running to God, I ran from God. And I was, uh, I was the guy with the, I started to say black leather jacket, but I couldn't afford leather. I had a simulated leather plastic black jacket, and I did have a BSA motorcycle. While everybody else was riding scooters and bicycles, I was roaring up on a motorcycle with a black leather jacket and an attitude. I just We just celebrated just a few weeks ago our, our 50th high school reunion. 50th high school reunion. Boy, did those people look old. Amen. I didn't know anybody except by name tag. Time will take its toll on you. Time will change you. Amen. This young man right here, I looked like him one day. Amen. I was, I was young and youthful. How old are you? Fourteen. I was 14 at one time. It's unbelievable. I wish I could trade bodies with you for a day. Two things would happen. 
I'd go to the beach, man. I'd go surfing where there ain't no sharks. Can you say, man? I would, I'd do something. I'd do something that I can't do now. Wouldn't think of. I might even try to learn to skate. Amen. And if you were in my body for a day, boy, you'd appreciate being 14. You wouldn't say, I can't wait till I'm 21. You'd say, hey, this is, this is just fine. We'll just take it easy into adulthood. I don't, I don't, I, I assume that, that Brother Couch is having arthritis. I don't know what, but it, the ears. He has some good days and bad days in his body. And, and, and we talk about things with understanding because I've got a body that's close to the age of his body. And I understand those things. Amen. We're living in a time called the perilous time. And that word perilous uh, time in the actual Greek means outrageous, it means difficult, it means it's full of such trouble and distraction and discouragement on every hand because of what mankind would become. For men shall be lovers of their own self, proud and covetous and truce breakers and unholy and unthankful and disobedient to parents and, 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 and truce breakers. And, and it just goes through this litany of sinful conditions that's going to cause darkness to just settle in on this world. And we're in that global darkness right here and right now. It connotates the reducing of the strength and it's written to believers that would live in this time because God wanted us to know that if we ever needed the strength that only He can give, it will be in those last day conditions that we would be living in. These are the last of the last days. The coming of the Lord could happen at any moment. And not, and not, there's no scripture that has to be fulfilled prophetically in order for Him to come. There's nothing left to be fulfilled. There is so much that says He could come at any moment and fulfill all of the prophecies concerning uh, the conditions that we would be in here upon the earth when He comes. Evil men and seducers, the Bible said, is not going to get better. They will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Many false prophets shall go out into the earth. Honey, be careful what you listen to, what you buy into. Keep your Bible close to you and read it and study it and let it become, as David said, a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. It's so important because they said, what shall be the sign of thy coming? In Matthew 24, what shall, what shall be the sign of the end of all things and your coming? He said, many false prophets shall go out into the earth and they shall deceive many. And here's the perilous time. And because iniquity shall abound. The, and here's the reducing of the strength of the saints. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax. Now, the many is what is troubling to me. This is not an aberration. This is not a few people that are compromising and backsliding. It said it's going to affect many people. There's a shaking coming, the Bible said, that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. But there's a purpose in the shaking so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. There is a people that God is going to take from a people and they are going to stand. What has shocked me after all of these years as a Christian and a minister of the gospel going on our 42nd year of pastoring is how many people have turned back. 
And Paul said to his generation, it was beginning to happen. He said, you did run good for a while. Out of the gate, you looked like you were dedicated, committed to follow Jesus Christ. But you turned back. What did hinder you? What was more important in your life than eternal life? Jesus was astonished that people would make those kind of decisions. And he said, what would a man give? What would a man give? Do, do we really understand what we're selling for sin's momentary pleasures? What would a man give in exchange for his eternal undying soul? What is it that is more important than that? I believe the gospel needs to be presented as it was. I don't believe we need to tone it down so people become more palatable people. I believe we need the strong challenge of the Word of God today. Ultimately, this is about where you spend eternity. Not whether or not you get a better job, a bigger car. Ultimately, this is where you're going to live forever. You are going. Everyone in this room today is going to experience the resurrection. There's two resurrections going to occur. And you are not going to stay in the ground. Revelation 20 said the sea gave up their dead. And the earth gave up their dead. This is the unrighteous dead. And they're being raised up to stand at the great white throne judgment. It's the most terrifying portion of Scripture in the entire Bible. Because everybody is going to have to stand either at the judgment seat of Christ or the judgment of the great white throne judgment. The righteous dead are going to be raised up at the resurrection of the just. It's a tremendous resurrection. Hallelujah. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. You say, Brother Bible, what's He going to shout? What's that shout all about? Well, you know, the Bible's not clear, but I'm, I've got enough biblical understanding to speculate biblically. I believe it's going to be what John heard around the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, where John is on the earth getting instruction in the first three chapters from the Lord to write unto churches, and he writes those letters from the Lord to those churches. He's on the earth. God is speaking to him from heaven, bringing him up into the presence of the Lord in just a few moments. And he hears a voice that says something that changes his perspective from the earth to heaven. And the rest of the book of Revelation, he's not on earth getting visions. He's in heaven seeing what's going on there. And you know what the phrase was? said, I heard a voice like a trumpet. Say, come up here. Everybody say, come up here. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the trump of God. And what did the trumpet say? And What was the sound of the book? Come up here. And the shout is going to be so loud that it's going to raise the righteous dead. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And from that point in the book of Revelation forward, John is no longer on the earth. Get in visions. He's in heaven seeing first 
hand. I saw the throne. I saw him that sits upon the throne. And there was a book in his hand. And there was no one counted worthy to take the book from his hand and open the seals thereof. And he wept because no one was found in heaven and earth that was worthy to take the book from him that sits upon the throne and open the seals thereof. And the angel told him, Amen. Don't don't you weep any longer. The, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed and he is worthy to take the book and he took it he opened it and the cleansing of the earth and preparing it for the righteous forever begins most bible scholars believe that is the title deed to the earth that is when the transfer is made. It was lost in the garden when, when man gave Satan dominion and Satan became the little g God of this world, the, the, the primary influence in this fallen world. Amen. But it's going to be given back and it's won by Christ in our behalf. It's won by Christ for us to have victory. This day is coming soon. It's coming soon. There's a resurrection of the righteous. To be rewarded or to be ashamed. But it doesn't have to do with where you're going to spend eternity. Amen. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And he will judge the quick and the dead. But this judgment in Revelation 20 is a horrifying judgment. Because the books will be opened. And everyone whose name was not found written in the book of life. See, ultimately, this is about where you and I spend eternity. This is not about getting a better car. Listen, God will give you a car. God will give you clothes. God will make a way. God will take care of you. I preach that. I pray that I live that. He's taking care of me. Hallelujah. Amen. He's going to take care of you. But this is way beyond the material blessings of the kingdom. This is eternal stuff. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. And God wants you to live with Him. That's the good news. And He's made a way for you to live with Him. And He's made a way for you to know that you're going to live with Him without any doubt and any fear. I'm so glad today that I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And what a difference it makes in living my life. Lightning struck the other day. Oh, man, it sounded like a shotgun in my house. And burn up my modem. (laughs) And I was without internet for a day and a night. And (laughs) my wife and I both went through internet withdrawal. (laughs) Amen. So glad my cable wasn't affected. I don't think I would have made it. Can you say? (laughs) At least I had cable. We are in the lightning capital of the world. And I would strongly suggest if you're on a golf course, don't play that last hole. Run for cover. If you're at the beach, I know it's really fun. Run for cover. If you're mowing your yard, let it wait. Run for cover. Somebody gets going to get struck. (laughs) And it's so good to know it. Don't make me want to tempt God. I work for Tampa Electric. For many, many years. And, uh, and uh, oh man, you talk about, we had to go out in it. When everybody else was running for cover, we had call outs and we had to go out and fix stuff. In the middle of the thunderstorm, I put on my raincoat. So I had two things I had to worry about. I was equipment operator, setting poles, hanging transformers. My truck, when I'm setting a pole that had been knocked down or 
in between hot wires. The moment that pole touches the hot wire, I'm standing on a truck that is now energized. All it needs is somewhere to go. If I step off of that stand I have to operate my truck on, I create a circuit. And if it's touching, it'll, it's 7,620 volts. It's going to run the wood. It's going to run the truck. It's going to burn me up like a crispy critter. Amen. It's going to burn me up. And I, I prayed. I prayed. I had linemen up there. If I, if I cross phase between two phases and that pole swings into those phases, it's going to have a cross phase and it's going to be a big old flash and a big old roar. It's going to singe their eyebrows at least. Amen. And I prayed. And they knew that I prayed. And they would say things in the midst of a thunderstorm and blinding rain in those conditions. They'd say, because I wasn't that good an operator. But I prayed. And God's blessing is so wonderful and so powerful. And what a witness it is in the practical everyday things of life. I prayed, Lord, help me to, to, to be blessing today and keep me and keep my crew. And, and they would holler down and say, that pole went in there like it had eyes. In other words, like somebody was directing it in there. I thought, well, somebody was directing it in there. And it wasn't me. I'm looking up in a blinding rain saying, oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus is part of my constant prayer life. <laughs> Amen. I've told you about the woman that, that meets the pastor at the door on Sunday. And he asks, Cousin, Miss Maudie said, Miss Maudie, how are you doing today? I'm somewhere between praise the Lord and help me, Jesus. Can you say, man? Well, I'm not even between, praise the Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm living in the help me, Jesus phase most of the time because I need that help. And when God comes through, it's a wonderful, powerful thing. Revelation chapter 20 is the great white throne judgment and, and the dead in the sea come back to life. And the dead upon the earth come back to life. And they have to stand before God and the books are opened. Every deed, every idle word, that's, that's how close this is going to shave. This is a close shave. Every idle word that a man shall speak, if you're at that judgment, if you are at that judgment, every idle word that a man shall speak, he will give an account of, not to me, not to some church organization, which many of them are now compromising, it won't be to them that you answer to. It's going to be to God. This world is in flux and much of the church is going the way of the world. But God has not changed. The Bible is not to be changed to accommodate our sin. The Bible is to change us. Hallelujah. To challenge us and to change us. It is not a, a book that is outdated and antiquated. It is contemporary. It addresses the need of man from the very beginning. And that is for not only a Savior, but for a Deliverer. Can you say man? That's why Jesus' name is Yeshua. It's a derivative of Joshua. That great, great anointed one that God used to lead and defend Israel of old. And it means a deliverer, a deliverer, a deliverer. You can't deliver yourself. Someone said it's so true one time. Man can't be saved by perfect obedience because he cannot render it. 
He cannot be saved by imperfect obedience because God is too holy to accept it. The only answer is the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? But we can be saved because of what He did at the cross. I will never be sinlessly perfect, but I can be perfectly forgiven of my sin. Can you say amen? And I can be strengthened day by day to live a Christian life that doesn't represent the fallen nature or the kingdom of the, of the devil, but represents the kingdom of God and the new nature that He's given us in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let not sin reign. Let it not be the ruling principle of your life. Let it not reign in your mortal body. Let it not. That means we've got power and there's victory in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I love my wife. We've celebrated 52 years of marriage. Now we're headed for 53. We were talking the other day about with the the lady that does our, our hair. Amen. She cuts mine and whatever she does to hers is more expensive. Amen. It don't take long to deal with mine. It takes about 10 minutes. But we were talking. And she said, what anniversary was that? Was it, 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 was it diamond? I don't know. Was it platinum? I don't know. Amen. Because you're supposed to get the appropriate gift for diamond, platinum. I mean, it's got to be, a, there's something beyond 50. What would that be? Does anybody know when you hit 60? The Lord tarries. Nobody knows. It really doesn't matter. We're going to probably do the same thing. Going to Mickey D's. <laughs> and tell them to supersize everything. Because <laughs> nothing's too good for my fox. Right? Yeah, she's still foxy lady. No doubt about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. But I know this. I know there's not been one year of our marriage that the devil didn't want to destroy the bond and the love between us. It's not Prince Charming, although I am pretty charming. Okay, just forget about it. He said, he said wrong on both counts, not pretty and not charming. You lose on both. I'm getting like old chocolate now. <laughs> Amen. Prince Charming, it always happens in the Disney movies, doesn't it? Prince Charming marries Sleeping Beauty and they get on his white horse and they go off to a castle. And how do they live? Happily ever after. Everybody say fairy tale. That's a fairy tale. Probably closer to the truth of the Christian couple that said we have an end time marriage. Wars and rumors of wars. You're going to have conflicts. You're going to have pressures to your marriage and particularly to your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I'm telling you, there's hope for you today. There's help for you today in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that God can't handle if both people put their trust in him. Hallelujah. Nothing. Nothing. I live this. I don't just preach this. we got too many people in pulpits preaching something that they can't even live out and demonstrate. God wants more than anointed preaching. He wants anointed living. Can you say amen? 
Amen. Not being a lord over God's heritage. Not getting in the Bentley after the service and going to the hotel with my posse or entourage. Amen. But down in the trenches where people live and where the battles occur and where the fight is being fought. Amen. Demonstrate how to fight the good fight of faith and how to win that battle and to let everybody know that God is no respecter of persons. Can you say amen? It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others. He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 I want to live for Him, Sean. Because I'm called to do more than preach the gospel. I'm called to live this thing. Paul said, you've got a lot of teachers. You've got a lot of teachers. You can find somebody going to tell you how to do it on every corner. You have a lot of teachers that will give you Scripture and biblical principles, but you don't have many fathers. Amen? You don't have someone that will live this out, walk it out, and show you how to do it. Praise God and love you anyway. And love you anyway. And love you all the way through that journey. Praise God. And never give up on you. Praise God. Hallelujah. At that judgment, every soul, Revelation chapter 20, you can read it for time's sake. I'm giving it to you in a synopsis. You can read it from your Bible. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the great white throne. And the books were opened. This is the resurrection of the unjust. You see, you think of the, un, of the wicked as being dead and gone. No, they're coming back. Every man who has ever lived on this planet is going to be raised from the dead. Lost at sea. Eaten by the sharks. Bones reduced to bone meal. Flesh gone. They're coming back. The sea gave up her dead. You are an eternal being. You are going to live somewhere forever. This is not all that there is. This is the little minuscule. This is the, this is the grain of sand on the seashore. This is a drop of water in an ocean. Can you say man? And that's why people without that eternal perspective, Christ said, oh, how can this be? How can they not see this? How can they be so blind to this? What would a man give? Because some people that had the opportunity to repent and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ put their sin above their salvation. Can you say man? Because they didn't get it. They didn't see it. And one reason they don't see it in this generation is because preachers are not preaching the eternal consequences of sin. Only the temporary result. If you come to the Lord, you're going to have this blessing. You're going to get this material blessing. Honey, God loves you. He wants to bless you materially. He's blessed me materially. I'm so happy with what I have. And I'm so happy I'm content with what I've got. Because I have Christ and I have peace. And He's fulfilling the deepest needs of my soul and my life. And having food and raiment, we're told thereby to be what? 
content. My son, let not thine heart envy, thine eyes envy sinners, neither go thou after them. So many people think if I get a bigger house, I'll be happy. I've met them with a big house. Without a relationship with God. And they're unhappy. Wow. What an unhappy, what an unhappy boxer money Mayweather is. He's unhappy. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's always some kind of anger and angst. His last fight paid him $200 million. That's on top of his other millions. And he's going to retire with a legacy of not losing a fight. And you'd think he'd be one of the happiest men on the face of the earth. But he's not. And some of the people you think are happy. There was a... David Wilkerson was actually on Johnny Carson years ago because the, the... And he's a preacher of the gospel with the Lord now. But the movie came out, The Cross and the Switchblade. And the book came out that it was based on preceding that, The Cross and the Switchblade. And it's about his ministry to the gangs initially in New York City. And one of those gang members that was, daddy was a warlock and his, and his mother was a witch. And then he became an atheistic, godless, devil-worshipping gang leader on the streets of New York. Cruz is his last name. Nicky Cruz. He's a minister of the gospel to this very day. Preaching Christ and leading others to Jesus Christ. Wow, what a testimony. What grace can do and what God can do. Hallelujah. And he got it one day because he came to David Wilkerson preaching outside on a street corner initially. Teen challenge as a result of that ministry that began on the streets of New York City going on today. And I meet young men and women still that are being affected by the ministry of teen challenge. Young men and women coming off of drugs by coming to Jesus Christ. And Nikki came up to David Wilkerson, pulled a knife and showed it to him and said, I could cut you into a thousand pieces right here. And David looked back without any fear and said, you cut me in a thousand pieces and every piece will cry, I love you. And Nikki Cruz left unaffected. Dave kept on preaching under the threat of death. <laughs> and Nicky Cruz came up while he was preaching, raised his hand and said, Hey, preach. Keep preaching. You're coming through. You're coming through. You're coming through. See, all I can do is preach the gospel. But the Holy Spirit, if you begin to open your heart, He can take the gospel and He can bring it and make it real to you. To where you see it for yourself. And something He'll show you, He'll show you that you are an eternal being. That you have an eternal soul. That you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And when you begin to see things in light of eternity, all of the temporal changes. You would not dare sell your soul for some sin that is for a season. When Moses came to years, the Bible said through faith, He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know the story of Moses. 
He was raised, amen, to be a prince in Egypt, amen. And when he, he got back in touch with who he was, with his heritage, and he knew that there is a hereafter, there is an eternal uh, life that is going to be lived somewhere. He, he was offered the kingdom of Egypt and all of its riches and all of the power and pomp and ceremony that was his. And he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he identified with those Jews laboring in the brick pits to build those earthly kingdoms for the Pharaoh. Because he saw past the temporal. Amen. He chose that rather to enjoy, listen to this, the pleasures of sin for what? A season. I'll tell you something about the pleasure of sin. Not only in light of eternity is it just a season, but it don't last long in your life. How many were lost before you got saved? Thank you for those hands. How many has ever committed some sins? How many can honestly say it was fun for a while to the flesh? Your flesh enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it, you wouldn't do it. Somebody back there is going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, your flesh eats it up. No doubt about it. The pleasures of sin for a what? For a season. But it's only for a season. Only for a season. Only for a season. Woman at the well had sought fulfillment through the pleasures of sin. Particularly in a relationship. She really needed love. Not just sex. But she'd been with five men. And never found what she was looking for. Was living with a man. And never found a married commitment or a love commitment. She found pleasure for a season. But she didn't find love. Lasting commitment. But at Jacob's well in John's Gospel chapter 4, she met a man. That wasn't like any man she had ever met in her life. Who didn't look at her lustily, but looked at her lovingly. Somebody say lovingly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God there's more to a relationship. So much more. And he said, woman, give me to drink. She's Syrophoenician. She's not a Jew. Jews didn't even talk to her. They didn't know her reputation at all. But just the fact that she was not Jewish, they counted her out. Don't even affiliate with her. Don't have anything to do with her. He said, woman, give me to drink. In other words, you're drawing water from the well. Give me to drink. And then he began to speak to her by the revelation that he knows. God knows what our need is. He knows what our hunger is. And the wonderful thing about him, he knows why we sin. Because he knows what we're looking for. And he knows how to show us what we really need. He said, woman, if you drink this water today, see the season? Satisfy for a season. He said, if you drink your fill right here at this well today, you're going to come right back to this well tonight and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. But if you knew who it was that said unto you, give me here water to drink. You would ask of me, and I would give you living water, and you would never thirst again. Hallelujah. 
The greatest, greatest weapon against temptation is not just saying no. That didn't work with drugs and it won't work with temptation, whatever form it takes. I mean, you need to say no, but it's not enough to just say no. You need something from God that so satisfies. Someone said if, if, I'm going to use chocolate as an example. If you give chocolate a bone, well, no, chocolate's too sweet. He might just let you have it back. We can't use old chocolate, can we? His love for chocolate, their love for old chocolate has just broke down his old pit bull attitude. He, he's a big old puppy that'll just love on you and let you love on him. <laughs> but there are pit bulls out there. That you do. One of the things they do before they will allow someone to adopt them, they get, a, they get something on a stick. They, they, they get a hand on a stick. They give them a bowl of something. And they take that hand like it's going to grab the bowl from them. And if they, they put it on the end of a stick, you see, because you don't do this with your hand. And if he's not ready to go home with somebody, you go to move his bowl. This is survival instinct for him. He's going to bite you. And he's going to bite you bad. I went to rent my dad a little apartment. And the lady in there had a little chihuahua. Chihuahua had one eye completely blind. Little blind chihuahua. I'm going to tell you something about chihuahuas. If chihuahuas were big as German shepherds, they'd be the meanest dog ever lived. They will tackle anything. They are fearless. And I said, what happened to that dog's eye? What, what happened to, to that dog's eye? He said, well, we got a pit bull at home too. And said, we feed them in different corners. Chihuahua eats out of his bowl. Pit bull eats out of his bowl. said, one day the chihuahua finished his first. Went running over and put his head and growled and put his head in front of the pit bull. And he said he just bit him one time, just one time. Put that eye out, give a big old scar over here. Goes. Chihuahua's walking around and saying, I'm bad, I'm bad. Hey Amen. One-eyed Chihuahua. He just thought he was bad. Still thinks he's bad. I'm going to tell you something about all the people that are bad in here. I've been in emergency rooms where people were dying. I've been in hospitals and I've been in rooms and homes. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no big, bad man in those rooms. You may think you're bad here today, but a day is going to come when you're going to know that you're dying and you're going to know that you're going somewhere. And you do not want to wait till that day to find out that the footsteps coming down the hall for your soul are not coming to take you to heaven. You need to make that decision on this day. And the greatest, greatest barrier against temptation. Jesus said, if you drink this water, the reason you keep on looking through sin for that that will satisfy is because you don't know what will truly satisfy. But if you knew who it was that said, give me to drink, you would ask of me. And I'd give you living water. And you would never thirst for that fulfillment again. And you wouldn't have to look through sin to receive it. Can you say, man, hallelujah. If you're still looking through sin to be satisfied, you're not receiving what God promised to provide for you. But it is a spiritual experience. It's nothing. A house can't give it to you. A car can't give it to you. Amen. Prestige can't give it to you. Fame can't give it to you. Amen. You too said it well, didn't they? 
I've, I've been all over the world. I've searched here. I've searched there. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. In my generation, it was the Rolling Stones who said, I can't get no satisfaction. Can you say, man? And the world will never find that that satisfies. The soul will never find rest until it finds its rest in God. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. But when it finds that rest, it's different. We begin to sing, take this whole world and give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Can you say, man, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. I've stood beside bedsides and heard a lot of people repent of a lot of different things. But there's one thing I've never heard no one sorry for. They were never sorry they accepted Christ. Never sorry they lived for Him. Never sorry they followed Him. Can you say, man, why? Because when it comes down to the dying, that's all that really matters. When Dwight Eisenhower, oh, one of our former presidents and great general in World War II when he was in, in that, that, that hospital and Billy Graham went to visit him. People had brought him books to read, but he knew he was nearing the end. He, Billy Graham walked in the room and he had this stack of books and, and he walked in the room and said, how are you today? He said, well, he said, I'm, I'm not as well as I wish that I was. I don't think I'm going to be here much longer. And Billy Graham said, is there anything I can do for you, sir? And he said, yes, you can. He said, read to me from the book. And Billy Graham looked at the table and said, which book? And Dwight Eisenhower said, there's only one. And pointed at the Bible. Can you say, man, hallelujah, because in that book is the promise of sins forgiven. In that book is the promise of everlasting life. In that book is the provision that was made so that we might have everlasting life. In that book is a promise of heaven when we die. Hallelujah. In that book is the authority of a sovereign God that says if you were to receive my son, you won't have to fear the wrath to come. And you will be raised from the dead and death will not conquer you. And until you die, you'll live in a satisfied life. Not just sanctified. I don't believe you can be sanctified until you're satisfied. Why? Because you'll look through sin for something to satisfy. There won't ever be enough money. John D. Rockefeller at one time. Bill Gates holds that title now. John D. Rockefeller was asked, What would it take? What kind of gift or what could you acquire to make you more happy at one time he was one of the richest men in the world he said more money if you've got all that money and the only thing that would satisfy you is more money you'll never be satisfied because enough is never enough the bible speaks of those people ever getting but never having enough ever getting but never having enough but godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. Be content with such things as you have. Be thankful. Be grateful. For He hath said, I'll never leave you. <laughs> when you have Him and a right relationship, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That we might boldly say what? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. And we, uh, you can't buy that peace. 
with money. You can't buy it with fame. You can't buy it with fortune. Can you say man? So the woman at the well, she said, give me then this water. Hallelujah. And something transpired spiritually and supernatural at that well. And when she left that well, she left different than when she came to it. And she went back into her hometown where everyone had belittled her and accused her. Amen. And she said, come and see a man. Come and meet a man that told me everything that I ever did. And, and not just exposed her sin, but gave her the solution for it and the answer for it. He didn't come to condemn the world. We are already condemned. Sin has condemned us. He came to seek and He came to save that which is lost. And, and His holy mission is still ongoing today and we are part of it. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't nobody, can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. Can you say man? When I talked to Sister Becky and she didn't know if she lived through the surgery, she said, Brother Venerable, do you know what was so precious? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. I do. I said, when I had a stroke and I was in the floor, and I couldn't move, and my breathing was restricted, and I didn't know if the, how many breaths I had left before my spirit left my body. When His grace and His presence and peace came over me, and I told her immediately, I said, I know exactly what you experienced. I said, you experienced the precious presence and peace of God. She said, Brother Venable, that's it. She said, it's a peace that passes all understanding. And it comes just when you need it. And only a Christian can claim that peace. Hallelujah. And it's worth more than all the kingdoms of this world to have that peace when we need it in our life. That presence and that promise. Glory to God. I'm so glad to be a child of God today. I'm so glad to be inviting others to come to know him everyone's not going to come to know christ and if they do meet him they're not many are not going to follow him because they choose sin and self and satan over jesus but i'm telling you there's a great white throne judgment come and everybody that has ever died outside of christ will stand If you think it's what watered-down compromised religion is telling you, you're wrong. You need to read the book. It's about eternity. You don't compromise your faith for a house. Don't compromise your faith for a sin that's for a season. When Moses came to years, he refused... To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because he saw him that is invisible. He knew there's a God. Not this man sitting on this throne that is temporal. His throne will be dust one day. This man's body will go to dust one day. But his soul will answer to a living God. 
And I would rather be identified with the people of God under persecution than to dwell in the tents with the wicked in the pleasures of sin. Every time push comes to shove, I choose the eternal over the temporal. I choose the spiritual over the material. Can you say man? Because I understand what's at stake. And I won't trade my soul and I won't sell it. Amen. To serve Satan. Hallelujah. For the pleasures of sin is but for a season. In the book of Ecclesiastes in closing. Here's why so many people make that wrong choice. It said though a sinner commits sin. A thousand times, a hundred times, and prosper. He's living in sin and getting rich. A hundred times and prosper. People think it's well with him. Look, God hasn't struck him down. Nothing has happened to him. He's living the high life. Though he do that a hundred times and prosper. He said, yet I want to cast my lot with the righteous. Why would he, why would he make that decision? Because he knows... That's a season. And that season is juxtaposed, juxtaposed over against eternity. And he said whatever he acquires in the material world that doesn't give him security eternally is not worth it. And I choose. I choose. Psalm 73, Asaph had the same discussion. He said, my feet were well nigh gone. I had almost slipped when I was envious at the what? The prosperity of the wicked. He said, you know, the rich of this world and the wicked and powerful rich, they're not in trouble like other men. You get in trouble, you know what they're going to do? They're going to give you a court-appointed lawyer that's overworked and got too much of a caseload. You're not going to get O.J.'s lawyer. Amen? Amen? You're not going to get what money can buy. In front of a courthouse, many times they show Lady Justice. She's holding the scales of justice. She's blind. But I'm going to tell you something. If you go to court, it's your lawyer that's going to represent you. Come on. Whether he knows the loopholes or he knows the law well enough to defend you, it's going to make a difference. I'm going to tell you, the poor man don't have the same justice as the rich man. Come on, be, be honest today. No, justice isn't blind. No, someone's going to lead that jury. Someone's going to stand in your behalf. Asaph saw it. He said, there's an injustice here. I'm doing the right thing and I'm persecuted. They're doing the wrong thing and they're blessed. I wish I was like them. They're not in trouble like other men. Somebody's getting them out of trouble. Big corporations get in trouble with the... IRS, they get a big-time lawyer and pay him $100,000 to save them $100 million. You get in trouble with the IRS. <laughs> you better mortgage your house and pay up before they garnish your wages and come after your house. It's not the same. Big corporation don't pay any taxes. You owe them 25 cents, they'll spend $25 to get you to pay the 25 cents. For real. He said the justice isn't the same. There's an injustice in this fallen world and its system. And he said, I was envious of the wicked. My feet were almost gone when that happened. I was well nigh slipped. 
when I was envious at the what? The prosperity of the wicked. He lost his eternal perspective. And the only thing that changed him is what's happening right here, right now. He said, until I went into the temple. He said, when I got into the temple in the presence of God, near the presence of God, I understood their end. Not what they had right now, but what's going to happen when they draw their last breath. Not how they live temporarily, but where they're going to live eternally. He said, when I saw that, he said, I, I repented before God and said, Lord, I must have been as a beast before you. Amen. He said, I, I'm acting like somebody that ain't got no sense at all. Amen. He said, but in your temple, I see it. I see it so clearly clear amen he said i am going to i'm going to cast in my lot with the righteous whether they're persecuted no matter what happens see you don't just get in this for the blessing of the material world but for the blessing of eternal life and escaping the judgment to come hallelujah hallelujah that's what the gospel is here for and that's what's at stake in everybody's life that's right here right now Hallelujah. Praise God. And I don't want nobody, nobody, nobody to end up, amen, in hell because they chose the material and the physical over the spiritual and the eternal. And then, after you get that settled, God's going to take care of the rest when He becomes your daddy. When He becomes your heavenly Father, He's going oh yeah, He'll give you clothes, He'll give you a house, He'll give you money for your bills, He'll heal your body, He'll help you in life. But you'll have eternal life, number one. Amen. I like that old camp meeting him, the old account, long ago. Long ago, the old account was settled long ago. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And it was so good laying in the floor. Knowing I might be drawing my last breath and feel the peace come all over me. And no, and I'm gonna tell you, you won't have that. I've never, I've never felt that kind of peace at any time in my Christian walk. But when I'm laying in the floor naked and I'm paralyzed and my breath is short and I figured my time must be short behind it. And I, who had been strong all my life, I tell you, I, I used to go to the gym. I used to be a gym rat. I'd miss a lot of things, but I wouldn't miss hitting that gym. Amen. And, and I'd been strong and self-sufficient physically after God healed me of cancer when I was a child. He healed me so good. He gave me health. Like, I've, I mean, I, I've, I was, I'm, I'm one of the few people over 60. I'm almost 70 that don't take a prescribed a prescription for anything to this very day because God has been faithful to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what are they giving you because of the stroke? Nothing because there was nothing they could do about it. God raised me up in three days so I could be here and tell you what he can do and show you what he can do and let you know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you say amen? But I'm not serving him because he healed me of a stroke. I'm serving him because he saved my soul from sin's consequences. Oh, hallelujah. But I can tell you that peace is worth this whole world and everything and everyone in it. I love my wife. And she's not going to turn back on God because she's got my same attitude. She's got a spiritual perspective. But I'm going to tell you right now, if she quit serving God and threatened to leave me, I'd be like the guy with the bumper sticker in Plant City on his big old truck. My wife says if I quit fishing, if I don't quit fishing every weekend, she's going to leave me. 
boy, I'm going to miss her. I would miss my wife. It would break my heart into a million pieces. But I would not turn loose of God. I would not turn loose of God. Hallelujah. See, Satan took Jesus to a high pinnacle when he was fasting. Showed him the kingdoms of this world. And he said, it's within my power to give you these kingdoms if you'll just worship me. And Jesus made the clear choice. It is written. It is written. It is written. He didn't just quote Scripture. He walked it out in every decision of his life. Three Scriptures in the book of Deuteronomy out of one book of the Bible. Only three. But he was committed to the truth of the Word to obey it. Just three. He quoted three times it is written to the devil. From one book in the Bible. And Satan what? He left him and tempted him no more that day. He was so defeated. He said there ain't nothing I can do to a man that not only hears the word but has a heart to obey it. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil. And what happens? He flees from you. No one is going to be overcome by a devil that's running from you. Can you say man? There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. But you've got to choose. And I have to choose. And the old song said, and I'm going to reiterate it, I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because all the resources of heaven become yours when you make that quality decision to follow Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I got saved at 12. My mom and daddy divorced, and I got a bitterness in me, and it took me away from God and took me deep into sin. But I remember when I came back to God, and I remember what He did in my life on that day and the change within. I didn't know what I had at 12. I didn't understand the pearl of great price. I didn't understand the preciousness of what I had. But when at 21, when I came back to God, I understood. I got it. And I wouldn't sell what I have in Christ for all the kingdoms of this world. There was a young lady comes here intermittently, and she was sitting right over here one Sunday morning. I had on a, a watch my wife got on sale for 60 bucks, about a $300 watch for 60 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. Amen. You know I am the seed of Abraham. Can you say, man, I'm looking for the good deals. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's not chicken feed, even six. But it's a nice watch. It's a, a what is it? A, a, a Armani? It's an Armani. Oh, it would, it would no, this is. No, it's not Armani suitor. I'd wear it on tag on the outside. <laughs> Armani. And I reached over to shake her hand. And I saw her look down at that watch. She said, would you still rather have a brand new pickup truck than a Rolex? I said, absolutely. Now, if you've got a Rolex, that's just fine. 
But if you give me a Rolex, I'm going to sell it and get me a pickup truck. Why? Because I just don't feel a need to impress anybody. But I could sure use that pickup truck. (laughs) In other words, I don't have to be made rich as an incentive materially to follow Christ. In fact, I'm willing to give it all up to follow Him. That's why I left Tampa Electric. Otherwise, I'd be right up there with you. Lord, have mercy. We'd be right there together. Man, I'd have my Social Security, full retirement from Tampa Electric. I'd be sitting pretty. But I gave it all up for one reason. For one reason. For one reason. My retirement, I I don't have any retirement. I'm going to have to refire because I can't retire. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Why would you do that? I made a choice like Moses made by faith. He chose to suffer affliction with the righteous than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And it wasn't long before God brought him and them out of Egypt and brought them into Canaan. Can you say amen? What a victory is ours when we make the right choices. Will you stand to your feet? Having God on your side. Having God on your side. Having God on your side. Hallelujah. Being right with God is the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. It's the greatest life you can ever live with that assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God born of his spirit washed in his blood hallelujah let's give him praise the book of psalms there's a scripture that says let god arise and his enemies be scattered and every time that they picked up the ark they quoted that psalm every time they moved the ark anywhere they took the ark they quoted that psalm because when they picked up that ark it was the earthly representation of where the presence of God dwelled. It sat behind the curtain, the holy of holies. And he said, I will dwell between the seraphim. And on top of that golden lid were two angels looking down at the flat lid called the mercy seat where the blood was sprinkled in behalf of ancient Israel, a type of Jesus' blood sprinkled for all mankind. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Having God on your side. Having the Lord fight your battle. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes in like a flood, amen, Isaiah fifty nine nineteen says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The shield of faith is not just your faith, but it's your God protecting you and defending you. Oh, come on. It's not just your faith. Make no mistake. Your faith can shake. Your God is faithful. Your faith can waver. Your God is faithful. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I have faith in his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who will raise up the standard? Oh, I got the faith. I'll do it. All those people topple after a while. But when a man says, behold, I stand, he better watch out. He's riding for a fall. But when he says, my God is faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything changes. Everything changes. Let's give him praise in this worship song. Are you here without Jesus at any time? Would you come forward? We'd love to pray for you to come to know Christ. And leave here with that blessed assurance today.